This is a KUNV Studios original program. The following is a paid program sponsored by Crawford Management Group and Smart Time Consultants. Please be advised that the voices and opinions you hear do not represent the views of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Hi, my name is Leah Crawford. And I'm Rhonda Nolan. And you're listening to the Let's Talk with Leah and Rhonda show. For all the beautiful entrepreneurs out there, this is for you. Good morning, Las Vegas. Hey, this is Leah Crawford, one of the hosts of the Let's Talk with Leah and Rhonda show. It is a brisk Saturday morning. I hope you're up and about and and doing the things that you love to do. As Rhonda would say, I hope you got your workout in and you touched your toes, moved around a little bit because it's getting warmer outside. It's been cold the past couple of weeks, but it's getting a little warmer outside. Well, today we have a special guest in the show. Well, every week we have a special guest and this time we're going, we're going a little bit different. We're going to, we're going, we're going to in, in the real estate. Um, I have an old acquaintance that we realize we've known each other for some years, haven't seen him in a very long time. But it's very good. Mario, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Leah, for having me. It's my absolute honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you for accepting the invitation. Um, we became reacquainted again. I've known you for some years, but tell me, what brought you to Las Vegas? So back in 2002, which is a long time ago at this point now, I found Las Vegas from uh, Detroit. So okay. I was living there in Detroit. I was uh, just kind of trying to figure out my way through uh, career-wise. I was in a career transition, and I had the opportunity to start my career, second career anywhere, and I chose Las Vegas. Obviously, the weather was a big, big, big factor in I'm that. sure. And then real estate prices at the time were super uh, comfortable, and it just seemed like a great place to be okay. uh, for a lot of different reasons. And so I found Las Vegas and eventually ended up uh, making your acquaintance. So let me ask you this, though. What all have you done here? So before I get into the good stuff of what you're doing now, I just want to give you a background. Y'all, and you want to listen, right. because when we get into what he does, you can be like, oh, my God, I, I need to meet him. Yes. Go ahead. So initially, uh, I was a mortgage loan officer up until 2008. So we're talking you know, six years, had a great career. I was helping a lot of real estate agents at the time. And had always been intrigued with real estate, but had a finance degree, leaving the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. So I just felt obligated. So I just felt obligated to to make sure I did something that was finance related. And so initially, I found mortgage, and I was helping a lot of families, first time home purchases, and refinances. So helping them to capture a lot of their equity, uh, helping uh, investors purchase not only a first but build a portfolio using leverage. So it had a lot of meaning and benefit to me, and I just gravitated to it until I. And one day, you know, we just didn't have a have a career there. Exactly, uh, 2008. Know, the right? whole world changed. World changed, right? So I had a really, really soft landing at Nevada State Bank. So I was approached by uh, someone who was starting a sales team there. Didn't have any direct banking experience. background. But you experience. had finance, but you had finance but experience. Had finance, right. And then you went to one. I mean, UNC is a heavy. That's a that's a good school. Yeah. I, I felt good right. that I was going to figure it out pretty quickly. And I didn't really have an opportunity. That was the only thing that was in front of me. So I needed to kind of secure my family and yes. secure myself at the same time. So uh, Nevada State Bank was great for me. I was a, initially a part of a sales team. And even initially being hired, 
the role changed because the world changed back then. And so we were fortunate to be on the side of where we were acquiring banks. So my job at that point was not necessarily to sell, but retain. And we it's acquired, different. Very different. It's different because selling, selling is one thing, but retaining and maintaining is something totally different, yes. And and it wasn't really the environment to sell. Right. You know, a lot of businesses were just trying to figure out how to stay open. I started and, my business then. In 2008, huh? 2007. 2007, yeah. So, well, people know. were needing, it was ironic, people were needing account. They Everybody wanted to know how much money they had. They were... Right. Really, okay, you want to know what? Let's make sure this works. Right. <laughs> you know, right. they were asking different type of questions right. when I first started my business. And it was tough to be able to fulfill requests for yeah. business owners at the time. I mean, banks were pulling back. They are actually becoming much more risk averse. Right. And so fortunately, because we acquired a couple of banks that were pretty much CD heavy, um, I remember one of the banks was Community Bank of Nevada. I don't know right. if you remember them. Or, and Silver State Bank was also a bank that I was a part of that acquisition. Uh, it really was a takeover from FDIC. So my job was just to make sure that none of the depositors left because we really, really needed deposits because loans were in jeopardy. There were companies, great companies that just weren't in a position financially to continue to make payments or at the rate in which they were uh, obligated. And so we had to do everything we could to secure our bank. Ecosystem. The whole That's ecosystem. Right. That's right. Ecosystem. You have to be aware of the ecosystem. And then what side of the ecosystem do you want to be on? That's right. Okay. That's I love right. it. I love it. So Nevada State Bank. And how long did you stay at the bank? I was there until 2015. Okay. And so I was fortunate. I ended up transitioning to a different role at the bank. I went into the small business department. Okay. Initially as a um, sales administrator was a title. And so my job was to support the manager and support the relationship managers in whatever capacity they needed, reporting, supporting them on appointments, and a lot of various more. And relationships are um, everything. I everything. mean, you can't really, and I mean, just tell a lot of the, especially new business owners, because I remember we were doing a seminar and we were talking about bail. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, because we deal with a lot of, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you have to have bail. And what is bail? So bail is you have to have a banking relationship. Yes. Not just I went into a bank and opened up an account. No, you need to have a banking relationship, an accountant, mm-hmm. CPA, preferably, yes. right? And the reason why, because all of us bookkeepers is different from having a CPA. Much different. So you, it's different levels there. So you want to have a CPA that you can call on insurance. Yes. Having the right insurance and then a lawyer. Yes. And having a good lawyer, because if a good lawyer, anything happens, they got the connections because they network. And then with this bail, make sure these people know each other. That's true. But just relationships. And I remember someone asking me, you know, well, I'm a new business owner. I don't need to have that. No, you need to build them now before you need them. Because when you need them, I mean, then it's like every time you call me, you want something. You right. build them now. You meet them on a football field. You meet right. them in and about, you know, just different events, di- doing different things, volunteering. You meet the people so that when you have a need, they'll take the call. Absolutely. Because I can't tell you the number of people that say, well, I call. They don't answer the phone. How come when you call, they answer? Because I talk to them all the time. I mean, we might not talk all the time, but right. we have a good relationship that if I make a call, they know. It's something that, you know, it's something that we need to do. And everybody you mentioned in bail, they all have similar relationships with other businesses who've been wherever you are yes. or wherever you're trying to go. And so they can be a great guide to make certain that directionally you're doing all the right things or let you know what to expect. There's always growing pains 
and <laughs> and the level of of all that of bail that you just mentioned is levels to it. It's absolutely it's levels, levels to, to it. it because it, with insurance, when you think about it, um, insurance making sure that you everything you have is, is insured and you have the proper amount of insurance. Yes, you know, having that conversation with your insurance agent every year, right. just to talk about you know just life changes. It could be a fifteen minute conversation. All right, mm-hmm. nothing changed. Okay, because you're paying them absolutely every month. That's right. Every month you're paying them. Mm-hmm. So a phone call once a year is not a lot to ask. And our lives aren't static, right? They're right. dynamic. So, you know, just as much as you can be underinsured, you can be overinsured. You can be overinsured, exactly. So keeping uh, keeping them abreast of where you are personally and professionally does a lot to make sure they can bring the kind of value that you need because there's levels to the information they provide to you because they're only going to sometimes, not all, will meet you where you are. Mm-hmm. But as you grow, so will the nature of the relationship, but also the information they provide. So as a banker, what type of questions could a small business owner ask you? Or, I mean, just to get to know you, how would someone get to uh, how would someone get to know a banker? Because sure. you were you are a small business banker. Absolutely. And largely I was in, on, in an outreach level capacity. Okay. So I was out touching business owners at different levels. The beautiful thing is because we were an SBA lender, you meet businesses in startup phase to establish to businesses that are matured and, and been around for a long time. So you get a chance to, to meet them all. But in terms of how to do that is asking questions that that are appropriate towards becoming bankable. Mm. And typically that starts with the depository relationship because at that point you don't have the business seasoning yet to warrant a bank loan. But you want to find out. What exactly. is bankable? No, talk about bankable. <laughs> because what is bankable before we get, because we, we got to jump into what you do sure, now. Sure. But what is being bankable? Bankable is having an existing relationship, much as you mentioned with Bill, that starts at the depository level. It transitions to a treasury management or merchant services level. And then it grows to a lending level where now I'm looking to expand my business. I'm looking for capital to continue to grow. I'm looking to uh, lease a, a space and I need a loan for the tenant improvements or I'm looking to buy a building because that became very popular. And if any business owner that can, I strongly encourage that's a whole conversation. Uh, and we can talk online because that's where I am. Yeah, I'm in that. I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm getting in that to buy a building. You, you absolutely have to because it becomes when you're looking at the exit, you can always keep that real estate and you mm. always have a cash flow associated that is not contingent upon the business. Mm. And so some of the most successful business owners that I know and I've had the pleasure to meet, that was a big part of their business growth was owning the real estate. Owning the real estate. Because they, it creates a, an annuity stream for them. They never have to sell it. Mm. They can always occupy. There's always businesses looking for a place to rent. They're not necessarily looking to own. And now that's your post-business revenue. Mm. Uh, but also it's your legacy. So if you look at generational, or looking at your legacy at some capacity, having and owning that real estate is something that can. You know. I'm about to put that on my board. I'm about to put that right <laughs> right in the thing. Buy and it used to be up there. Buy the building. Buy the building. Buy the building. Absolutely. Just buy the building. Absolutely. Buy the building. That's all we need. But just buy the building. Absolutely. All right, so talking about what you do now, because you transitioned after that, and, and what are you doing now? So now I am a real estate professional. Mm-hmm. I'm a real estate agent. I'm a realtor, and my focus is in probate. So mm. I spend a lot of time helping uh, families that have left assets behind. Unfortunately, they may have had a will, maybe didn't, because anything that 
is a will or less, which means they're intestate, they didn't have a will, has to go through the probate process. And what I advocate for now is a living trust because mm-hmm. that way your assets and your things you've accumulated in life are private to anyone. I, I'm actually, when I leave here, I'm heading down to the third floor in the district court and I'm going to pull up some probate files. So I should know that Tony Shea owned however many properties that he passed away with. Uh, but certainly there's a lot of people that we know that didn't have proper estate planning. Mm. I was fortunate enough. As say, say that. Uh, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. <laughs> say it again, because going to TikTok yes. and Facebook yes. and Instagram mm-hmm. for the information is not. I, I, and I, I had an, another attorney in here, you know, shout out to Shada Holt. And we talked about it. She said her battle is with TikTok Esquire. Yeah, it's everybody's battle. Okay. In whatever capacity you're in, you know, it, it seems as though um, there's a lot more trust in people we don't know than people that we do who are professionals and who've spent the time to learn and educate themselves and others. Uh, but we are challenged those who are considered professionals in our in our daily paths. And so it's unfortunate, but it's a battle that we have to under actually just redirect a lot of people who have thoughts and misunderstandings about because they only give you part of the life. story right because when i watch sometimes and i'm not gonna i do because when i watch sometimes i just listen and i'm like but they missed a whole it sounds good right but when you're setting up a trust there's a process to setting up a trust Absolutely, it's a whole process it's not just you go file some documents mm-hmm. there's a whole process to the trust and you want to go and pay the professional the attorney that that's what they do they do and and that's why you want to have that lawyer. So if your lawyer doesn't do, because lawyers, they all don't do the same thing. No. They all don't do the same thing. No. You know, they have their specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to go find somebody that's special. It makes it a lot easier. Less grown, it's less pain. Well, even going back to your bail right. analogy, whatever the lawyer is for that particular business need, they know the right specialist. They're very well networked. Probably one of the better networked professionals yes, they are. that yes, I they know. Are. So if you need a specialist, they'll have someone on speed dial. And when you get, somebody's doing bankruptcy, somebody's absolutely. doing accidents, somebody is doing, you know, business stuff, setting up businesses and stuff like that. Somebody else is, you know, and they'll tell you, I, I don't do that. And I think from my just anecdotal research and just analysis, I think it's largely because they don't have the ability to publicly market and advertise that they spend a lot of time just professionally networking. Okay. And they they built a lifeline on referrals. Mm-hmm. That seems to be one of the better referral networks that yes. I've met by way of profession. Yeah. That they always know someone. If you give them your scenario, they can tell you two And or they people. have no problem referring no, because no. I know for me and family, you know, it's ones that practice family law. Mm-hmm. I started off with one person and they were like, well, you want to know what, Leah? This got real tricky. I'm going to send you to this person (laughs) and had no problem, no problem with it. No problem with it. And no, you're right. That is one of the few professions where they have no problem referring to the next person. Whereas in some professions, they're trying to undercut the next person. Right. And it's a scarcity mindset versus scarcity mindset instead of abundance. Exactly. Instead of being. mm -hmm. And and to your point, even in probate, there is administration, which is typically just more or less the procedural process of probate and then there's litigation right so when you were saying when things were changing in your world on the family law side 
there are those who specialize in litigation. There's some that specialize in the administration. And if you need a litigator, you got to find a call. You got to find a litigator. When, Absolutely. And, and when you find a litigator, oh boy, that's a whole. <laughs> no, and this is different, right? It is. Um, because when you find a litigator, and that can argue, man, I yeah. tell well, my daughter's an attorney, yes. and I tell, I'm, look here, I'm not arguing with you. No, it's not, not a, it's, it's not a fair fight. It's not. Not a fair. It's, it's not. A, and I am equipped, but I'm like, mm mm. Yeah. Let me do some more research and we can come back <laughs> and we can circle back to this conversation because I know you'd have already researched and thought about it exactly. and how you think. Yeah, I don't argue with attorneys. I don't. Very smart. Yeah, I don't. Mm-mm. I'm like, you're right. right. Until I get to research to That's figure right. it out. Right. Until later. Till later. Right. <laughs> Let me get some more research. All right. So in what you do, because again, there are different sides to that. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. You said you were on the, um, well, tell, well, tell me, you were, how well, how did you start this career? So... Towards the end of my banking career, I really understood that I was building a business. I've always been in some kind of business development capacity. Right. And I just wanted to build something for myself. I wanted to build something for my family. I wanted something that have a direct impact that was transferable with me. Right. Um, I, I did transition to a different bank towards the end of my career, okay. and that was when my light bulb moment happened because okay. I had some great relationships with my clients at Nevada State Bank they didn't transition with me to my new bank okay. and it wasn't anything to do with me or lack of confidence in the bank it was they were situated I did what I was supposed to do while I was and there situated. and they didn't need to make a move and that's you want to know what and that's very I love that you said that because I can't tell you the number of people that you know they, they operate out emotion and get in their feelings you know well I'm going here I want you I'm going to take this no you want to know what? That's yours. Because right. I, I I don't work in scarcity. I work in abundance. Right. And because I work in abundance, I did what I was supposed to do for you. Right. Now I'm going to go over here and probably impact another set right. and bring and help them to get the pro, you know just their life in order. And I, I just had this conversation this morning. Is your glass half empty or is your glass half mm-hmm. full? Half full. Who are you? Right. And I tell look, mine is half full because we always, there's always room for more. We all, always pouring in, pouring in. You know, and giving, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, because takers will take as long as you let them. Hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. They yeah, will. they takers will take, but as a giver, I cut, hey, mm, done. Right. I'm done. I, I'm well, we giver. just get better at recognizing them, right? Yeah, get, mm-hmm. but, you, you ha- but you have to, especially right. as a business owner, yes. you have to, because mm-hmm. I know for us, we change our policies. You know, when you come in, you come in the office, you drop stuff off, you drop off a check. Right. Mm, mm, mm. You don't drop off a check. That's fine. Put that over there. Right. When you come back with the check, then we'll have another conversation. Right. Real right. easy. And it was interesting because as a small business owner, you have to have that hard line because I can't call Nevada Energy and tell them, oh, I can't pay the bill because they didn't pay me. Right. And it's a business. For that a was a growth moment for me in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it was growing pains, though. Yeah, and I think, turn people down and turn them away. Well, especially in a professional service capacity, mm-hmm. you know, we have intellectual capital that we figure, oh, we can just because you're talking and you're sharing, right? right. Mm-hmm. But it, it costs money. It does. It has I, value. Because you think about it, how much did you pay for your degree, the first one? Right. Or too much. Like, yeah. I, I, when I added, I went and someone said that to me. They were like, Leah, add up how much money you spent in classes, and and I started adding the money up, and I was looking, I was like, wow. Oh, y'all gonna pay me. Right. And there should be nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with that. And I was like, and people talk about friends. I was like, if somebody's your friend, right. they should tip you. Right. Not only pay you, but tip you. Right. 
Right. You know, um, but again, so when you, I'm sorry, back to you. So when you started this, because <laughs> we off on a tangent, when you started yes. this and the, the being a realtor, being yes. a real estate professional, as you called it, um, what was the driving force about working with probate? Why probate? So I, I was actually exposed to probate in my very first uh, career. I was a financial advisor okay. back in Detroit. And so, um, as you know, as people pass, typically those assets will leave the leave the brokerage. Right. And so they wanted to have a way to shore up some of that so that it would stay within the brokerage. So there was a big push for us to have our clients name us as successor trustee. Mm-hmm. And so that familiarized me with just estate planning, right, okay. in general. So that kind of, I'd already had some familiarity with estate planning. And one of the things I learned early in my real estate career was you have to have a specialty. There's so much we can do with the real estate license. Right. And I've certainly, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this at some point in the conversation. I've, I'm, I'm stretched in a lot of ways in leveraging my real estate license. But those who I found to be successful and wanted to model my business after, they had a specialty. If it was new bills, if it was condos, high rise, land. They just they, had a specialty. They had a specialty. Although were, we can do it all. They just, they, they, they narrowed it down and they did what their specialty was. And they didn't look at, oh, this person, nope, this is my specialty and we're going to figure out how to make this work. Got it. Okay. Blinders. And so I learned Blinders. that early on. I had to find, well, what was my thing? So again, it was a lot of trial and error. Okay. And then I found probate one because i wanted something that had a little higher barrier of entry in terms of just taking the knowledge and expertise to a level because it is nuanced with with probate so although anyone can do it there's certainly a difference when you're having a conversation with someone who focuses on probate versus a general real estate agent who absolutely can, can they can do it absolutely can okay but that's yeah i understand that I understand but i that. but i understand how important it is to articulate to the buyer's agent or to the buyer or even let's start at the estate level of what it's going to take for us to get the property to a level of being sold and typically that involves things some ancillary services that i'm gonna have no impact on but i just have some trusted professionals who i've done some business with in the past they clean out homes. They help with donations. They just know, estate right. sales. So they just do some things on a personal property side that make the sale possible for the okay. family and also help maximize the value of the estate. The second thing is just a lot of times the individuals and families I'm helping, the personal administrator is out of state. So safeguarding the home with just something simple as a tr- no trespassing sign to make no, sure that if they are. And that's huge. I'm yeah. glad you said that. But you're listening to the Let's Talk with Leah and Rhonda show. I have Mar- Mario Joyner on here with me. He is a real estate professional specializing in probate. So if you know someone that needs, you know, just you because know, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that time is an emotional time, an emotional time. But you can contact Mar- Mario at 702 702- Seven one two three eight five four again seven zero two seven one two three eight five four. He's a real estate professional that focuses on probate. On probate. Yes. Probate. All right. So dealing with the emotions of the family when this time when this when it's, it's, it's that's a lot. It's a lot. It's heavy. It's heavy. 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 Because a lot of people involved. They had various levels of relationship with the decedent. 
Um, so you, you're getting a lot of so backstory. He even knew the right terms, right? Because I call him, you know, right. Okay, with the decedent, go ahead. So there's a lot of backstory that you end up uh, listening to, exposed to. Yeah, right, you just listen because it helps them to articulate Process. what help and they're going to need with a conversation or the stress they're having with making a lot of financial decisions when they didn't even know they were going to be in this capacity hmm. and made not be able to have the proper time or opportunity to grieve and now these all these financial decisions are thrust upon them and they have to make a lot of decisions very fast very fast and so just helping to manage the emotional side of that and just trying to relieve as much as I can from what I know by way of process they don't always often even know what to expect uh, the, the caseloads are so heavy here but every attorney is just almost to the max with cases right now. And so the level of attention that they may be able to give to that individual file could differ. It may not be enough because not everybody's created equal. You may have your own process, but this person may need a little bit more than maybe someone who's a little more situated or organized or maybe not as emotionally uh, dependent during this time on helping to make decisions. And you don't know. I have no I, idea. And, that's, and that's one thing I can honestly say, probably the calmest person... And you, but when it comes to death, it it just creates it's, it's it's just something different. It's processing that loss. Well, and in the level of phone calls that they receive from individuals that's asking them to make a decision, mm, is never thought and about it's that. Every day, it's constant, and they're being bombarded with phone calls, text, social media stalking, reaching out to them at their business, emailing them at on their business. I mean, it's just it just never. So my idea just to shut down and cut the phone off and just disappear, that's a good idea. Mm -mm, It's a good one. But they're going to find you. No, they won't. (laughs) I promise you. I promise you. I I got it all laid out. I got it laid out. I know, you know, because I understand that because when it's a lot and it's stimulating in a different type of way. It is. It's stimulating in a different type of way. And and as much as the decedent's information is public, so is yours once you accept the responsibility as administrator mm. so your phone number's out there your address is out there so stop snowing from knocking on your door and asking the questions because you didn't answer the phone or you didn't respond to a text that's why i told you i was disappearing told you that you're gonna have to <laughs> absolutely disappear. And, and leave the phone where you want to know what y'all can have it <laughs> have at it answer all the calls where yeah. are you a place unknown right for until i get me together to be able to handle right. that and that's what's most important and Unfortunately, there's some financial responsibilities that may dictate how long that process is for you. Right. Because oftentimes, if you're just talking about the property, there's a mortgage component. Mm-hmm. And typically, there isn't a lot of assets within the estate to okay. continuously maintain the property. Okay. And so that has to come from somewhere. And if you're not in a financial situation where you can absorb that in addition to your normal expenses as, as right. a person, your own cost of living, then it does force you to make some decisions pretty quickly, quickly okay. because you want to preserve the, the estate. So what I can tell you is, especially when it comes, you know, y'all, let's get let's get our stuff in order. Yes. So if wills, trust, um, analyze where you are, you know, just do some things just to get your house in order. Yeah. And you know what you need to get your house yes. in order. You know what you need to get your house in order because you want to I mean, as my grandmother said, well, I'm not here. That's on y'all. Right. But no, be considerate of those that you leave behind because they're going to miss you. They're going to miss you. It's one of the biggest things I see where they just they don't even know where to start. Right. Because we often don't have those conversations. Mm. And it doesn't matter, you know, race, ethnicity, 
anything. Does it? it? They just don't talk about those things. And I don't know if it's generational. I don't know where that comes from. But just somehow leaving a roadmap of what you had just to make sure that whatever you had is going to be cared for and safeguarded. But a lot of times I'm helping people start from scratch. They have no idea where to begin to look. And they may not even capture everything that's there. They may have just simply dealt with the most known areas. You go to the bank, you know where they used to work. You know, maybe they had an insurance policy. Yeah, because you got a final tax return. It's a whole, it's, 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 it's a bunch of stuff. And then you want to be around credible people. Absolutely. You want to be around good people. Who you work with matters. Because who, who you work with matters. And yeah, who you work with matters. Well, Mario, I want to tell you thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for accepting my invitation. I want to bring you back. We need to do some things together. We um, need to. Yeah, so let's stay in touch. And again, the information for uh, Mr. Mario Joyner, 702-712-3854. Again, 702-712-3854. 702-712-3854. You've been listening to the Let's Talk with Leah Ronja show. I am Leah Crawford. And until next week, Las Vegas, you know, get your workout in. Let's get in shape. Let's get in shape. Let's get in shape. Peace and blessings. Thank you so much, Leah. You're welcome. Bye.